welcome to We All Live Downstream, Clean Water Actions Podcast. I'm Caroline Slobodzian, your guest host and major gifts officer for Clean Water Action and Clean Water Fund. Today's Giving Tuesday, which centers on the fact that everyone has something to give and every act of generosity counts. Today, we're going to meet a couple of generous donors to Clean Water Fund who will talk about why clean water is important to them. But first, I want to take a minute to talk about who we are. Clean Water Action is a C4 organization where contributions can be used for lobbying, and Clean Water Fund is a C3 organization supporting many of our reports and research, and contributions are tax deductible. We work at the state, local, and national levels to protect clean water with an emphasis on drinking water. Our national office is headquartered in Washington, D.C., and our state offices cover local work in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Michigan, Texas, Colorado, and California. Many of you probably know that Clean Water Action is a result of the Clean Water Act. Our name is not a coincidence. We're the watchdogs for the Clean Water Act and also the later passed Safe Drinking Water Act, maintaining and advancing clean water protections. It's hard to believe that the Clean Water Act and Clean Water Action are both turning 50 next year. Our first guest today is named Marilyn. Marilyn has supported our work in Connecticut as well as nationally. She's a strong advocate for clean water. Marilyn, can you tell us what you see as the biggest environmental challenges right now? Well, first, Carolyn, I want to thank you for including me in this podcast. I'm pleased to participate. Um, Well, we're living through some chaotic times right now, and we're facing many simultaneous and very complex challenges for Americans and for humanity. So there are a few things that are concerning. A big challenge still is COVID's remaining toll on our resilience, and it's kind of sapped our energy and our determination to work together for common goals. I don't think it's sapped it completely, but it has had an effect because having to isolate from each other really crippled our chances to demonstrate to the fullest for our climate. I do hope that we can move on now to steadier ground and more public demonstrations showing our collective need and desire to protect our future and our natural resources. I think we may all need a shot of adrenaline since the COP26 in Glasgow, uh, which left many of us still a little unsatisfied or more unsatisfied uh, with the pace and force of the governmental commitments to seriously change the direction of climate change. So that's that's the, the number one overriding kind of emotionally related um, issue that we're facing. Another thing that concerns me is the factory farming industry. Um, Factory farming across this globe is clearly unsustainable. The more I know about it, the more concerned I become and the more I wanna go vegan and I'm trying. I think a lot of people are trying to do that Uh, because factory farming causes harm to all life on the planet. It really does. It pollutes groundwater and streams. It damages air quality with enormous methane gas emissions. And it harms the animals and humans alike with the downstream effects from the antibiotics used in the meat industry. Uh, We're seeing changes in vegan choices now offered in stores and restaurants, and that's encouraging, but we won't all be vegan. 
we have to adapt to less consumption of animal products and make that a consistent habit if we're going to really change that level of methane uh, and that level of antibiotic downstream water pollution. Um, the list goes on here, um, not to be too negative, but these are real issues. The plastics, phthalates, and so many other unregulated toxic chemicals that are ever present in our lives are a big concern. In our grocery stores, our refrigerators, our laundry rooms, our food, and in our own bodies, we have plastic residual effects growing. And it's, it's alarming. Our waterways are tainted with these toxins, which choke shorebirds, fish, and other forms of wildlife. And we need to use alternatives to plastic whenever we can. Our democracy is being threatened as well by the huge divide between Democrats and Republicans and the growing wealth gap, which equates with environmental injustice and the increasing efforts to enforce voter suppression. Uh, these, these things are very, very serious problems that we need to face as a country united. Yes, yeah, agreed. We have, uh, we've been doing a lot of that work, especially with what you mentioned with uh, plastic contamination in our waters, uh, a lot with PFAS. And um, I wanted to ask you, what motivates you to support our work? Well, for, for one thing, I believe Clean Water Action is a vital environmental organization since its inception. Um, we all rely and depend on the availability and protection of our public drinking water. All of us, Democrat, Republican, young and old, animal and vegetable and mineral, we all do. Our streams, lakes and oceans are affected too. And, and water is a public trust. And as such, Clean Water Action works hard to reserve our regional water sources for our citizens, fighting to pre prevent the commercial sale and redistribution of our water for corporate profit. That's something I didn't know about until I got involved with Clean Water Action. I didn't know that water in Connecticut was actually being processed, bottled, and sold overseas for profit while there were droughts going on in Connecticut. So thank you, Clean Water Action, for getting people aware of these issues and making changes that help us. On a local level in Connecticut, I've been also inspired and impressed by the results of Clean Water Action, thanks to our state director, Ann Hewlett, and all the staff and volunteers who've worked so tenaciously to halt the release of PFAS chemicals, as you were mentioning, Caroline. Those chemicals are found in firefighting products and other sources in our environment, but they're going, PFAS chemicals were going into our rivers and streams. And more recently, I'm, I'm impressed with the halting of the use of PFAS chemicals in food packaging. Um, most people don't realize what PFAS chemicals are. They're called PFAS chemicals. They're called forever chemicals, I should say, because they do not break down and dissolve. You can, you can segregate them from water sources, but they never die off. They never dissolve. They are forever. And they're known to pose multiple health risks for all forms of life. So again, I salute your efforts to protect our health and our longevity. 
We like to say around here, water is life. So you can't live without water. So that is why we're do we do what we do. You know, with PFAS, we they are in almost all human beings at this point. So it is it is an important issue to tackle. Thanks for supporting that work. Uh, can you share any insights you have regarding any corporate innovations that help reduce the impacts on our environment and resources? I'm happy to say that I can. I have learned recently of some um, innovations that will make a difference, particularly since they are gaining traction across industries in a global way. Um, the United Nations encourages uh, leading corporations and governments to push for sustainable production methods and to sign on to its so-called new plastics economy global commitment. And one encouraging example of this move is that a Connecticut-based tool company, Stanley Black & Decker, has partnered with Eastman, a maker of specialty materials, and they're going to advance sustainability in the power tools industry with their connection. The name of the product is Reviva, R-E-V-I-V-A. It's a new product line through Black & Decker brand under the Stanley umbrella, the Black & Decker brand of power tools. And it's set to launch early next year. And Reviva tools will be made with 50% recycled content and 100% recycled packaging. So I'm very happy to say that this is one company I know um, quite a bit about since my husband works there. I, I was really pleased when he shared this information with me. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's a step forward for the corporations around the world. And it's one that they're all, you know, many of them are happy to embark on. Yeah, that is something that we work on in some of our states. It's uh, trying to make things that are more sustainable, um, that are, are less harmful to the environment. And also with some of our work with corporations include end of life kind of thing, like recycling. So a lot of that is making them accountable to take back the products that we um, you know, use. And some of that would be like, like you were saying, I can see how tools would apply to something like that because you, what are you going to do afterwards? You don't want to just throw them in the trash. So it's kind of a way to uh, get people to um, not only use recyclable materials, but also think about what happens after the use of a, of a product. I'm glad you mentioned that, Caroline, because that's another aspect of what the company, what Stanley Black & Decker is working on. They expect to have the entire life cycle of a product, a tool, worked out so that when it's reached the end of its life, it can be recycled somehow so that it doesn't just wind up in some dumpster somewhere or some you know, uh, uh, underground trash loading place. Um, there's a goal. I think, it's, I think the goal for them to get all that addressed is by 2025, but they're looking at the whole life cycle of their products and they're embarking on it starting next year. I mean, early in next year, this should be, uh, that product will be available and they'll continue to, to refine all the steps of the production and the life cycle of these products. That's great. That's exciting. I wish more um, corporations would take a, take a note from that page and uh, make their 
make their product and uh, take back the products that, you know, electronics and whatnot that you won't want to just throw in the trash that need to be repurposed or something. I agree. I think, I think that will happen. I think as certain industries step forward and, and make news, others will try to emulate because they'll want the business if for, if for no other reason. And this will eventually become a larger and larger uh, imprint on our society, but it'll take some time. Our next guest, Allie, is the Environment and Partnership Manager for Mounds Organic Market, a regional grocery store chain with locations in Maryland, Virginia, DC, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. Mom's purpose is to protect and restore the environment. They've been involved in activism as well as financial support for our work. Allie, can you tell us how Clean Water Actions work aligns with your purpose? Hi, yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so Mom's purpose to protect and restore the environment is one that we kind of view every action that we take at our company, the lens that we look through it. So whether it's plastic waste and bring your own container to offering recycling centers, to using biodegradable materials in our cafes and our bags and things like that. Um, it's just really, really embedded in our culture and our core purpose um, for why we exist as a company. Moms has a unique story to tell. Ali, can you explain for us how what started out as a single organic grocery store transitioned into a chain that became involved in environmental activism? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first um, uh, opened our first store in 1987, you know, we had this commitment to um, growing the organic um, agriculture, organic produce locally um, here in Maryland. Um, and that was, you know, our focus. And then as we continued to grow, um, the owners and the leadership team started seeing um, you know, plastic coming in and the issues that we have with that, other issues surrounding climate change, that kind of thing. And they said, you know what, if we're going to be a business, let's be a business with a purpose and let's continue to grow because the bigger that we get, the more people that we can um, impact and we can work with and we can help them grow, um, not only with local brands and also with our staff and just kind of, you know, creating this culture that's centered around protecting and restoring the environment. So that's kind of, you know, the catalyst and the jump off point. We formally established our purpose in 2005. And with that, we banned plastic bags that same year. We brought in a lot of composting options like straws and cutlery, that kind of thing. And then we also created um, one of my personal favorites, the ER Captain program, which is basically, it stands for environmental restoration, but it's our green teams. It's our green team. Um, at each store, we have two to five um, staff members who are super passionate about the environment and they um, work on making sure that we are leading by example and we are walking the walk at the store level. That's great. Thank you so much for um, sharing that story. I definitely think it's important um, and it's important for us to partner with organizations that do walk the talk. Um, yeah, so since 2005, we've been very busy. Um, this year, about in like maybe two months, we're about to open our 22nd store. And then we have a 23rd and a 24th coming down the line right after those. Um, we're now in five or six states and the um, District of Columbia. So we are growing and we're heading north and we love it. With the expansion, we're able to offer all of our drives and some of our really cool um, recycling campaigns now in more states and, and reach more people. Um, coming up uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we'll begin our holiday light recycling um, program. It's about a two month long program where people can bring in spent holiday lights from home. If they don't work, 
bring them to us and we'll pay to have them recycled. It's a free program for all of our customers. Um, other cool, unique things you can bring in. And we have recycled our corks, um, shoes, batteries, uh, compost. Compost is really cool and it just keeps growing and expanding in the different regions that we work in. Um, so we're really excited that as we grow, we get to um, continue those programs. Um, another thing that's really cool and we've definitely seen it with our growth is the bring your own container program that we have where customers can bring in their containers from home um, and refill it. Very similar to the reusable bag uh, method where you're just bringing it in and using it yourself. Um, this is great, you get the tear weight, you don't have that extra plastic packaging, that kind of waste. And, and we've seen that grow. Um, something that's really cool that just started and we're seeing it kind of grow is this upcycled food movement where they're taking, you know, rather than compost the waste from, you know, maybe a food manufacturer, they're taking that um, what would be composted waste and maybe a beauty products company is now using it to turn it into a cream or a moisturizer. So we're just really excited about all the things that are coming down the pipeline with products and with different brands and companies that are super, super excited about um, our purpose to protect and restore the environment. What do you see as the biggest environmental challenges right now? And how do you think we can solve them together? Yeah, so I think that that's a great question. There's a couple of things um, that come to mind, plastic waste and the pollution and the impacts of either creating the plastic itself or disposing of the plastic later, I think is a huge issue. Um, Moms has worked with Clean Water Action on this in a number of different ways throughout the bunch of different states. Um, so that's probably a very large one. Um, and then climate change, you know, is kind of the greatest existing threat to our wildlife, our wild places, our communities, our wire, uh, watersheds. Um, and we're really already feeling the effects of climate change and the climate crisis. Um, groups like Clean Water Action and so many of our amazing partners are creating powerful um, and impactful legislation, and we 100% support them um, and the work that they do. We've seen a lot of the bills pass. We've seen a lot of the bills make a lot of headway, whether in the state um, or in the region. Um, I know that we've worked with Clean Water Action on an incinerator bill, a plastic bag ban bill, a foam bill, a pesticide and neonics bill. I think we partnered on an extended producer responsibility bill, which is kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier with um, recycling, electronic waste. Um, and then, you know, kind of looking at the everyday single use um, items that we see and, and what we can do um, locally and um, regionally to kind of combat that. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that uh, there are still areas where, you know, their trash is being burned instead of uh, recycled or, you know, the single-use products. We were talking earlier in the podcast a little bit about PFAS and how that is in our water and the kind of work we're doing to do that. So I'm glad you mentioned um, the, the work we, we put this under the cone of zero waste. So I'm glad that you mentioned, um, you know, trying to trying to get rid of these single use products and make sure we're not putting these either in the landfill or an incinerator. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Emily and I were working a couple of years ago on, I know in some states they consider incineration a form of recycling, you know? So then it's really confusing to the consumer and it was confusing, you know, to the waste haulers and stuff like that that are saying, oh yeah, it's getting recycled, but it's really just getting incinerated 
you know, usually in a lower income community. So, um, you know, really combating that and rewriting the legislation um, so it's clear and it's not greenwashy and everybody can understand it and they're not hiding anything, you know, I think is very important, especially as we try to move forward and combat the climate crisis and all the plastic pollution that we're seeing and, um, yeah, just really making a difference. Great. Yeah. And what what motivated moms to partner financially to support clean water actions work? I know we we just kind of entered into a new partnership with you guys this year. We've been working together, you know, activism and legislatively, but this year we we entered a new partnership with you all. And I just wanted to kind of speak a little bit about what motivated you to be able to support us this way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it really was an organic relationship. We, um, you know, I would see clean water action at hearings. I would see bills that they were working on. I would see the impacts. I would see lobby nights that they were hosting. And so we were kind of just kind of drifting and partnering, you know, on specific bills. And then, you know, this past year, it's like, wow, this group is really passionate and they're really powerful and they're really impactful and people listen to them um, and they get the job done. And so that was like, Hey, you know what, if we're going to donate to groups, um, we donate about half a million dollars a year to nonprofits like clean water action. Um, you know, it was like, I really would like to grow this partnership with clean water action. And then I think we first added Maryland and now we're partnering in New Jersey on a bunch of things. And we've reached out to um, some partners and some offices of clean water action in other states as well. And so we're working on kind of growing our um, partnership with you all because you are so impactful and because you get bills passed and you know your way around a general assembly. You know, that was something that, you know, just watching that, you know, it was like, hey, it's time it's time to start donating to this group because I think that they really can get a lot done. And that's what ultimate we're, we're all working for. Thank you both for sharing your stories of why you support Clean Water Action and Clean Water Fund. We hope those of you listening will find your motivation to support our work this Giving Tuesday. Individual donations give us the flexibility to respond to new and unexpected challenges to protecting clean water as they emerge throughout the year. And even if you cannot give right now, taking an action on a federal or state issue or signing a petition with clean water gives us the numbers and the people power so we can work with you to advocate for change in our federal, state, and local governments around the country. You can learn more about our national and local work at cleanwater.org. Before we go, I'd like to mention some additional ways to give. We accept gifts of stock to both organizations Clean Water Fund accepts gifts from donor-advised funds, IRA-qualified charitable contributions, as well as matching gifts from employers. Thanks for tuning in. 